Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're going to go ham on these beers. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. We're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading our Patreon-selected episode for the month. It is Ham on Rye by Charles Bukowski, and I'm starting with a beer, because I have three today, so I have to pace myself, unlike the characters in this book. This is from Root and Branch which is a brewery soon to open at the time of recording in Long Island, but currently sort of a gypsy brewing operation and uh, brewed out of Evil Twin NYC often. And so you need to understand a little bit more of the plot to get this, but I really was thirsty. The main character, Henry Chanasky, really just hates everything. It's like he wants to tell the whole world to go straight to hell. And this is straight to hell. It's a triple IPA <laughs> that's just, just fucking great. I don't know. There's like no information here. There's like this stupid warning from the government. Who reads those? Uh, multi-oat wheat triple IPA. It doesn't tell you the alcohol. Say wheat. And it, has this, and it has this quote from The Clash about from Combat Rock. Yeah, multi-wheat, multi, excuse me, multi-oat slash wheat triple IPA. I don't really know what that means, but. It's a lot of grain. It's really great. If you had a chance to get some root and branch, their IPAs. Uh, I have never had a bad one, and I get every one I can. They're all really great. It's basically the beer equivalent of, like, the multi-grain bread. It's like Dave's Killer Bread, but the beer. You ever Dave's say. Killer Bread? What's Dave's Killer it's Bread? A, it's a brand of bread, but it has, like, the logo is, a like, a dude playing guitar. <laughs> it's Dave's Killer Bread. It's it's not, like, a niche brand. You could buy it at, like, Costco. It's a real widely distributed brand. I've never seen it. It's been around for like 30 years, and it's, you know, some guy like that was what he thought he looked like in 1991. You know, he was like, I fucking love White Snake. I'm going to make bread. And so he puts this picture of himself. <laughs> That's just logo. a sentence that the, really makes the sense. The original hipster. <laughs> Here I go again on a roll. <laughs> and, so he put... and the sequel, Here I Go Again on a Chiavada, doesn't work as well. Uh, ham on Rye. Uh, surprisingly recent book. I, I thought it came out a lot earlier. It's from 1982 when Charles Bukowski was already kind of old. Uh, yeah, it is a sixties. I think almost when he read it, wrote it. Um, yeah, he was born in 1920. So yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's basically a memoir that just the names and cha- places change to protect the innocent. It's including his own him. No one is innocent in this book, though. Oh, that's true. <laughs> but it's, it's just him. It's just his life story, probably embellished. Maybe that I kid hope. with one arm might be innocent. With a one-eyed albino <laughs> <laughs> elevator operator who had to take a dump. We'll get to him. So, um, Charles Bukowski. And so, we should talk about why we picked this book. This was our uh, Patreon poll for the month of January. And the theme, Jimmy, what was it again? You picked it. Uh, the theme was, we beat 2020. So these are all, the choices were all beat authors, which we hadn't done any of at the time. At the time you're hearing this, we've done trout fishing in America, which was just a, a journey. And there was the choice between this, and I'm honestly a little surprised this one given that the other choices were uh, On the Road, which I thought everyone would pick, or Naked Lunch, because I've never read it, but I'm sure they would, people would want us to read that. Well, there are a lot of beatings in this book, so yeah. maybe that's <laughs> A lot of what meat it was gets for. beat, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what it was for. Um, and then the fourth choice was kind of a vague, eh, uh, not really a beat acid, author. Kool-Aid test, 
Well, a lot of it yeah. was like poetry, and I was like, I didn't want us to do that because I didn't want to do that, and I figured you guys didn't want to do that. Fucking howl, yeah, that's Helen yeah. Ginsburg. I don't want to do that. Yeah, so this was that was the theme, and uh, the patrons selected this. So thank you, patrons. We'll shout them out a little bit later, and I'm so glad they did. This was a hysterical book. It was funny. It was really funny. This was like the funniest book I've ever read. Really. And I think so. I can't think of anything wow. where I laughed as much. Like I was laying in bed reading this, and I would be like, "What's wrong with you?" Because I would just be like, <laughs> and then she's like, "What's wrong?" Like, no, you. Don't, I can't even begin to explain to you what just happened. And she's like, "Shut the fuck up and go to bed." Like, okay, I'll be quiet now. And then you know, a minute or two later, I'd have another fart snort come out of me as I laughed about for like the eight hundredth time he said "cunt" in a chapter. And I'm like that's always funny. Uh, <laughs> But it's not just, cr- I mean, it is pretty crude, but it's really, it's just really fucking funny. I don't really. It is. We could talk about what makes it funny at the end, but it's a very funny book. So if you've not read it uh, and you, it's short, it's, it's, it's a, it's a brief read, a couple hours. Yeah. Check it out. Um, it's funny, well, but it's plot. also a huge bummer, but mostly yes. in a oh funny God. way. Yes. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, poverty porn like all the books we've had to do. Like he was poor, but that really wasn't the point of it. The point of it was. Everyone sucks, and including him. And oh, one of our first, him. especially him, one of our <laughs> first very dysfunctional families that didn't include the father's severe alcoholism. Yeah, this time other people skipped a generation. Not, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, not, I think uh, both his uncles were him. alcoholics too. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The father hated them for being alcoholics. Well, the father hated everyone. If this were poverty porn that Charles Bukowski wrote, I think it would have been called Angela's Assholes because <laughs> that's what he would have called. <laughs> that would have been that would have also been pretty funny. But I'm gonna drink too because this book is about drinking. It's about alcoholism. So this yeah. is one of the old standbys I used to have a lot of back in the day before there were a thousand beers to choose from. It's a delirium tremens, and it's something that'll knock you out. It's, uh, you know, it's the one with the pink elephant. Everyone knows this one. I was shocked that we'd never had this. We've had the other three delirium beers, but not the normal one. But uh, it's a, uh, it's a fucking, it's a Belgian or something, right? Belgian style, yeah. Belgian style. Is delirium from Belgium? I thought so. Yeah, they're Belgian. And uh, it's eight and a half percent. Back when that was strong. Yeah. I yeah. remember drinking like three of these and feeling like I was going to not ever wake up. We've it's grown still damn so good. much as drinkers and readers it's since then. Still damn good. I never had it out of a can before. I'm realizing it was always the one in the when you got it at the at the bar. They gave it to you in the fancy tulip glass, and they only put like half a glass in it in at a time. Except one time, I got it at a bar, and they accidentally filled it the entire way. And they're like, "Ooh, ah, oh, whatever. Good luck." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> I felt that. That was a good day. And now we're it's a tall boy can. Yeah, fuck me. Yeah, do you think like drinkers' tolerances have gone up or just we're all sloppier drunks? Or just us. I mean, certainly us, I think. Yeah. I think it's definitely... Uh, or, I'm, or I'm drunk right dep- now. It depends on the person. But I think the beer nerd population in general, they're, they're, this is the way people drink beer has changed. Maybe the overall strength of a beer has Definitely increased back when everything was like four or five. Now, like an average is probably six or seven. Definitely an eight. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, we we tend to go for the big boys because those are more interesting. Because I don't want to waste my fucking time on children's drinks. 
Yeah, I don't buy. I don't. I never a single IP. I'm like, ugh. I haven't even seen one you. in a long time, except ones that are have been always around. Okay. So every time I see one in the store, I throw it on the floor. <laughs> this is damaged. <laughs> and I leave. It this is in the be, wrong. It can't be fixed. <laughs> Put this with the other put, juices. Yeah, put this with the juice boxes. <laughs> you get a straw and s- 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 sips this. Remember that sips that fucking I do shitty remember juice box? Sips. It's the juice for people with with uh, speech impediments. <laughs> sips. Anyway, now that we've in- insulted some people. Anyway, this book is basically Charles Bukowski's like real life, but it's, it starts out where he's his first memory, and he's like two years old. Still, they're still. He's still living in Germany at the time, but like the very where first, he was born, where he was born, yeah. First, but first couple of pages. Is his mom? His mom's the Kraut. His yes. mom's the German one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and his for, dad's like a GI that go during World War One. That's how old this yeah, guy. This is, is 1922. He says it, it was. I'm one or two years old. That must have been night. It must have been 1922. So anyway, he says like this is one of his very first memories, and he's like, oh, and I remember all this food, and they were pancakes and there was bacon and there was this and there was that and there was my grandmother saying i will bury all of you and that's <laughs> like page two <laughs> and that's just like the kind of you know dysfunctional family that he that's does the have yep yeah, mm-hmm. and you you can see where his father gets his warm sunny disposition <laughs> oh maybe that was his mother's mother no. That was his dad's mother Actually, because she came to visit yep. when they were in L.A. She would come out to visit occasionally when they were in Germany, but then when they moved to L.A., she's also there. They, so anyway, they, so then that's like, you know, very the first like chapter or two of the book, but then they're like in L.A. because they moved to L.A. when he's um, very young, but this is still just the late 1920s. And it's like, oh, first we visited this uncle who was dying of tuberculosis, and my father just says, you... Dirty, low down, <laughs> or like the mother says, we should visit him. He only has two weeks of, to live. And the father's like, okay, fine. So they hop in the Model <laughs> T, which almost kills them. And then they go to the hospital. And the father says, like, you just hoard and cheated and stealed your whole life. And he goes, you know, I thought my life was pretty good. It <laughs> seems... Uh, Dying at the right age and of then, 24. And then they leave after 15 minutes because the father gets mad. You know, and presumably dies, and then it's like, oh, and they go to visit. I mean, we we don't have to go through every single story, but then the, his the father's brother, who's an alcoholic and is on the run from the law for rape. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's anyway, and he abandoned his family, and so yeah, they leave him some cans of food. Mm-hmm. And the dad tells about his uh, t- tells Hen- Henry Junior uh, why. Asian people are yellow. And it's like, because they drink their own pee-pee. It's like, wow, this this kid has some interesting lessons growing up. That's just science. <laughs> well, though, and the then the mother goes, stop man. it. Don't tell him that, because, you know, he's four. Yeah. <laughs> he's too young to know the truth. <laughs> but uh, there were some quite quite racist things in the beginning. Things that would have been quite and racist. middle and end. <laughs> yeah, and but, I mean... <laughs> Things that would have still been very racist in 1982 when this was published, but for 1920s, 1930s Los Angeles. For the meanest guy in 1920s Los Angeles. The Oscar the Grouch of 1920s LA. One of the uncles, he raped someone and he counterfeited dimes. Yeah. (laughs) And then the, and the dad was like, he was never a man of much ambition. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't even counterfeit real money. (laughs) Not even fucking quarters. Did you ever like, watch Hey Arnold like, as a kid? 
Of course it did. Remember that one where they get they get lost in the sewers and they come across those two like bandits who are counterfeiting pennies? It's like, ah, they'll never guess to even check these. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's how could that happen twice? Clearly, Harry Arnold was, in, was influenced by Ham on Rye. I mean, there was some weird stuff in that. There's some weird kids in that show. I, it's very possible. Charles Bukowski's character is basically the stoop kid of of this of uh, this world. Yeah, because he just shits on everything. So <laughs> I thought of another poverty porn title, Hillbilly Enema. No, can that work? Because because <laughs> there's a lot of shitting in this book. A lot of talking about shitting for a book that. F- it feels older because it's a memoir of the 1930s. You just don't expect him to be this vile. He was a special um, man. He was a special he man. Was, I, he's, he's my hero now. So um, Hank, is, the first like third of the book deals with his childhood. And they're in Germany for a couple chapters, but they quickly move to L.A. And his dad is just the fucking biggest asshole uh, ever, perhaps, who, you know, they... Beats the kid for like not mowing the lawn the right way, and beats if the he mom left when any, she cries. Any random strands of grass were left Called uncut. The hairs. Yeah, the hairs. They would like get down on all fours and like look at each uh, grass individually, just so he could beat the shit of his kid. And then the dad eventually, I mean, later on in the book, but uh, he he gets uh, fired or let go or whatever because it's the depression. And then he just pretends to work. <laughs> he just drives out in the morning and just disappears all day and comes home and like, ah, another day at the office. <laughs> and then just like beats the shit out of his family. Like, wow, we're laughing at him. That's, that's yeah. horrific. It was like page two. I wrote this down. It's like, my father didn't like people. He didn't like me. It's like, okay. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah, he didn't. It sounds like, you know what? Uh, you know what old Hank could have used? Some, some big hugs. <laughs> Didn't strike me as a hugger. No, but he could have used some. No. This is Big Hugs from the Half Acre Beer Company. It's an imperial coffee stout that is 10% alcohol by volume. Half Acre is located in Chicago, Illinois. We've had many of their beers before. And this is a, eh, beer. It's it's fine. It's it's not a... It's a moderate hug. It's it's like a... It's, like a, it's, a, it's a brief embrace. <laughs> I want to... I, it's just not. Uh, I don't know. What's the strength? I guess I've just developed ten percent, but ooh, that's and it a tastes big a lot like coffee. But it's it's just not that's not that it's, it's not as sweet as I like these kind of stouts to be. So Is it perhaps really maybe not as sweet because you just had that fucking triple IPA thing? The triple IPA was like a New England style, sweet as balls. Yeah, so maybe that's like the sweetest balls. Like nuked your uh, tongue. No, that would would have been the several beers I had earlier watching the orientation on how to get my child into kindergarten. Oh, okay. uh, those beers nuked my palate. This is fine. I've had it before. I bought a four-pack of it, and I had to do a, t- a trial run, you know, yeah, for science. You, know, you can't just go into these blind. No, not not for our patrons. <laughs> and uh, this is... Uh, they expect, you know, the best. Only the best drinking. This is... Uh, it's fine. It's just... It's not... the page, The pastry stouts that you can get are so decadent and delicious and dessert-like. This is nowhere near that. And I don't think they mean it to be, but because it's in the same kind of world, it's just going to not... For me, personally, I'm just not going to like it as much. But if you're into a a more traditional stout and coffee, this is great. 
Well, I'm going to open my beer, even though it doesn't have anything to do with the book until the very, very end, but I'm not leaving until the end. This is called Blue Hawaiian Crunchy by Other Half. (laughs) Oh, wow. I know This is (laughs) an Imperial Granola Berliner Weiss with Blue Hawaiian Punch, toasted coconut, vanilla, maple syrup, cinnamon, almonds, and milk sugar, and it is 7.4% alcohol. And yes, it really is blue. Blue Hawaiian Punch and almonds. So it's by other half, and the whole most of the book is focusing on poor people or how the other half lives. Nate, so that there is you true. Go. And also, him. Pearl Harbor happens right at the end of the book. So this is really good. And yes, it really is blue. Does it taste like Hawaiian Punch? I wouldn't say it definitely tastes like Hawaiian Punch exactly. In fact, I think it doesn't have real Hawaiian Punch in it because the ingredients say. It says apple, apricot, guava, orange, papaya, passion fruit, pineapple. Uh, That's what the ingredients say. I thought the ingredients were Hawaiian punch. Okay. It's like the flavors that are in a blue Hawaiian punch, theoretically. Yes. But what they do is they sort of have, they have a base recipe that they put the fruit on top of, but the base recipe called crunchy, that's the toasted coconut, vanilla, maple syrup, cinnamon, almonds, stuff, stuff like that. We've had a few others on the, on the podcast before. This is simply their latest one. How does it, it's how very does it nice. fare against the other crunchies? I think that very first one we had, the blackberry, that still might be my favorite, but this is still very good. Living the dream. So he's a little kid, and uh, they're poor. Everyone's poor. Starts going to school. Everything They're sucks. poor before the Depression. Oh, yeah. And then they but get then poorer. it gets worse. Though they don't really, they don't really harp on it that much. It's kind of just like a background thing, but then it's, it's never talking about like, I didn't eat for two days or, you know, stuff like that. It's not, it's not like Angela's Ashes. No, it's way. not. It's, it's like a, it's like background noise. It's not really a central thing. The central thing is everyone is insane and terrible and kids just are vicious little monsters beating the shit at each other all the time. When he's going into school, they're like, people are beating it, like their fights all the time. The teachers Constantly. don't seem to notice or care. The teachers and sometimes usually encourage the, the fight. The bigger kids beating up the littler kids. And we really mean like the first graders. And the fights just happen consistently throughout his whole, high, whole like school years. His whole life. But, yeah. <laughs> he just does a lot of fights. But they definitely start in elementary school. One thing I noticed about the elementary school fights is the brutality of them <laughs> like yeah they, there's kids that like and then he got up and he had half his teeth broken that was when the older like, kid smashed his face into the water fountain and said if you tell yeah. anyone it'll get worse it's like oh okay or the kid who gives him the potato chips to walk home with him the kid who wears knickerbockers because it's so long ago that was a thing oh, yeah. still and they all beat him up and then his mom yells at him for getting beat up and she beats him up like why are you always coming home like this and she beats him up and he cries and she beats him more and Hank's like Chanaski Henry's like I'm out of there I don't give a <laughs> that, shit that kid sucks anyway he doesn't like that kid he just likes the free potato chips <laughs> I'll see him I'll take the chips I'm not walking him home anymore though he uh, doesn't get along with a lot of kids and a lot of kids don't get along with him so he ends up spending a lot of time sitting by himself in an imagined reality This is from Threes, 6.8%. It is a Galaxy India Pale Ale. Ooh. Smells like it. 
Smells out of this world. <laughs> smells imaginary. No. It's good. I mean, it's. I guess this is a single IPA, but uh, this is good. It, it it tastes like an IPA made of Galaxy, which is you know that very common IPA flavor. You know, super juicy, super juicy, not super strong. Perfectly acceptable. It used to be pretty exotic hop a few years ago. Now it is like I think like pretty much one of the standard ones. Mostly, it's close. It's still pretty expensive, so it's not quite. It's not as common as like Citra or Mosaic. Well, it's the whole galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite large. But these beers that we've been drinking and getting shit faced on in honors of Charles Bukowski uh, were brought to you, brought to us by you. Were brought to you by us. Brought to us by our patrons. <laughs> so if you go over, head over to Patreon.com. Slash Drunk Guys Book Club. You could support the show financially, which is, you know, the best way to do it. And in return for that, you get all sorts of cool things like, uh, well, getting to vote in our monthly book poll, which selected this book from our four choices. So, you know, that's how democracy works. Then you can be <laughs> Nate, found the, <laughs> Nate found the winner. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what the winner actually, is this time. I don't know what it is either. You can get uh, early access to our episodes, Patreon exclusive content. We will send you tangible physical goods like a, a, a pint glass that I am using to drink out of right now, definitely, uh, that is, has our logo on it and makes beverages taste at least as good as they normally do, if not a little bit better. We'll even send you a copy of our read-along book if that's what we're still doing. And most importantly for right now, you'll get shouted out on our podcast. Nate, who are the fine people that we could shout out today? All right. I'd like to shout out Russell, Tyler, Grace, Catherine, Colton, l Dog. Stephen, Nick, Dustin, Joe, Crab, Michael, Daniel, Amir, Hayden, Mariano, Emotional Support Burrito, CL, and Stacy Wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it very does. Very generous ten dollar patron. <laughs> Dude, we went through so many drafts to get the right name. There were there were a lot of good ones. There's there's, there's more in the future. <laughs> we kept it up. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Stacy. Uh, so, yeah, so that's if you're into that, you could do that. If not, that's okay too. Uh, you could also, though, if you are able, head on over to wherever you're listening and leave us a review. That also helps us a great deal. Back to this book. So, the first third is grade school, and the adults don't give a fuck about the children. They are just, it's like Lord of the Flies. Yeah. And, and eventually just kind of like segues. And, and Henry has no no real friends. He's kind of always, he's like a loser kid. He, like, he you know, is. They pick on him. He gets beat up occasionally. He's a loner. He tries to just avoid everybody. He has no friends. And eventually gets into high school or middle school, I guess. Middle school, yeah. And uh, they're just degenerates. <laughs> everybody is just disgusting. Did you uh, remember the part where he learns about how babies are made? Someone told him about it, and he realized, like, my mother had a hole. My father had a dong that shot juice. How could they have things like that and walk around as if everything was normal and talk about things and then do it and not tell anybody? I really felt like puking when I thought, when I thought that I'd start off as my father's juice. Yeah, he kind of he, he goes to, like, a weird, dark, dark angle of things. He's a weird kid, and the other kids know it. <laughs> Did we pass the point where we went to the pool? And then, like, m- grabbed a fat lady's ass under he, the like, water. He, like, smashed his face into it. 
and that had a great line too, where he uh, he he like bumps into a fat lady, and and she's discussing. It says specifically her breath smelled of garlic, so you know what kind of gal we're dealing with. A vampire with her her front teeth are Captain <laughs> Silver, like she's a fat, not very good looking woman, and she's like instantly like you pervert, and he's like oh gross, and she says you dirty little prick. You want to suck my titties? You got a dirty mind, huh? You want to eat my shit? <laughs> some of my shit, you little prick. And he's like, she's yelling at an eight-year-old at a public pool. It's like, I'm going to leave. <laughs> when she goes, touch my cunt. I know you want to touch it. Go ahead and touch my cunt. And then he doesn't say anything. And she goes, if you don't touch my cunt, I'm going to tell the lifeguard <laughs> that you molested me and you'll be put in jail. How about that? <laughs> now touch it. And this is the world he lives in. It's like everyone yeah, is it's disgusting. <laughs> that was one of my favorite lines in the book. Do you want to, do you want to touch my cunt? Do you want to eat my shit? Whoa, that escalated ridiculously. Like, not even. Are the two related? It's like escalated sideways. I don't even know what you call that. Like, this just went a whole other dimension of weird. So, uh, more fun stuff like that happens. But he eventually goes to high school where he develops, he becomes Dr. Sismore's. Best patient. He has <laughs> the worst acne ever. He looks like he has leprosy. He goes yeah. to the doctor, and the, the doctors are like, holy shit. <laughs> wow. I had, this, I had this girl a couple of weeks ago. I thought she had the worst case ever. She wanted to kill herself. But you, you really have a bad. <laughs> it was so bad he couldn't go to school for like yep. months. He misses a semester of school because of fucking acne. And the doctors don't actually know how to do anything, do do anything for him, and it's really bad. Uh, and then at one point, this was, you know, this is a long, kind of a long section of the book. At one point, he, um, they just wrap his entire face in bandages, and he's like, oh, thank God. No <laughs> one has to see me now. And he's like happy that he's literally wrapped up like a mummy. Well, when he's going to the hospital, like a little girl's looking at him like, mommy, what's wrong with that man's face? He's like, don't look at him. Shut the he's fuck a monster. Up. I don't know. <laughs> it's like this is he's at this point he's maybe thirteen or fourteen. So I'll tell you, my dad told told me many stories of him growing up. Much, you know, my dad's not this old because he's not dead. He'd be a hundred if he was this guy's age. But my dad uh, was born in the fifties, but grew up really poor and had terrible acne. And I remember him telling me when I was a like teenager like you gotta you know wash your face every day you have this because this is what happened to me and he described pretty much exactly what these doctors did to Bukowski where they're like all right we're gonna just like pop the pimples on your face and then put you under a heat lamp for a while they shoot with like a heat drill like popped them all with like some sort of heat drill thing or the electric just turn like weird shit yeah they just try to like you know use the power of the atom to treat your acne and so they uh the, the uv thing it's something they still do for people with like uh, eczema or psoriasis. They put you in a light booth and like blast you with UV. Which apparently, it's supposed bullshit. to help. I don't know what the fuck it does for acne, but no, it, it's bullshit. But my dad would said he, you know, because he was, he was like, oh, I have to take the bus to go to this doctor's appointment after school to do this, and then I'd go home and I'd hide, try to hide behind a newspaper. My <laughs> face looked so awful because they just like it was like oozing and terrible looking and occasionally i'd turn the page and someone would see as i like folded the paper down and they'd look at me and they'd be like oh god what is that so he's got an uggo of a face 
and horrendous. Uh, everyone hates him, and I'm sure there's a and there's he a hates metaphor. Them back, oh, though. he hates them back. Also possible because he's basically at this point of his life just an abused dog that everyone has kicked his entire time. His dad still beats him massively almost every day. Yep, for almost nothing usually. Like he starts doing bad shit. He's like, I'm gonna get beat anyway. I might as well have some fun. You know. There's a scene where like that he's like. He like basically challenges the dad when he's fighting. He doesn't cry, and he's like "fuck you." And then he's like, "Then I knew that he was says, never like, happen again." He says, "You want to throw in a few more or something?" Like, "I can take a few more." Yeah. Come on. But yeah, so he basically challenges the dad, and then the dad just never. He disappears from the story for like a hundred pages, <laughs> almost like his mother does for most of the book. Yeah, she's kind of useless. She was. She was useless. I think that was the whole point of her was she did nothing to help sounds about right so then he's in high school he has like a bunch of douchebag friends they're all like the weirdos and they're just randomly fighting each other trying to f- fuck anything they can and one great scene is when he i forget which friend it is that has the mom that's like a whore that oh that's she's uh, like a, that's that's jimmy <laughs> uh-huh. no like, jimmy God not not you <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I'm getting through this uh, one. <laughs> so Jimmy's mom's a whore. <laughs> and uh, back to the book. Uh, I'm trying to find it in the book. I, I highlighted some great lines there. about. So basically, he goes with this friend, and they get shit-faced drunk. But the other friend's a pussy and gets drunk after like three drinks. And Henry can just drink forever. He's like the Popeye of drinking. And he... He finds something he's good he at. He knows... And this is, you know, this is this is a generation or two before the the term MILF is invented, but he knows that Jimmy's mom is hot, unlike a different Jimmy's mom. But he knows that his mom is bangable and she's easy until he she like, shows off the bottom parts. Well, well, first he's like really direct. He's like, "I'll fuck the shit out of you." He says something. He's he's like, "I'll break you in half." Is something that he says. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she's like. Really? Okay. And then she pulls up her skirt, and he's like, oh, gray pubes. Gross. It's like old roast beef. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's basically, that's how disgusted he is by her old vag. He was, well, it was, we were talking about uh, that, and they're talking about how his dad was dead. And he saw it, he was grossed out. I was like, to think somebody had suicided for that. Oh, yeah, Jimmy's dad. <laughs> yeah, that was the last one I was looking for. He says, cut the shit, lift your skirt, show me some leg, show me some flank. Because <laughs> he is at this point we're just, a huge virgin and has no idea what he's oh, doing. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like, you're just a boy. And he says, I could tear you in half, baby, if you gave me the chance. And she said, yeah? All right, let's see. She uncrossed her legs and pulled her skirt back. She didn't have any panties. He said, there was a large protruding wart on the inside of her left thigh, <laughs> and there was a jungle of tangled hair between her legs. But it was not bright yellow, like the hair on her head. It was brown and shot with gray, like some old sick di- sick bush dying, lifeless and sad. And he's like, I gotta go. <laughs> he's just like, abort. <laughs> not doing that. And she's, I thought you wanted to party. And then he's like, uh, not with your son in the other room. She's like, oh, don't worry about him. He's passed like, No, I really gotta go. And she's like, Get over here, you pussy. And she like, tries to fuck this child. He's maybe 17 at this point. This was the point in the book where like, this book is basically um, like the novelization of Porky's. Like, it's just 
really just raunchy and gross. And uh, so he never really goes through it. with it. No, he doesn't go through it. He's not like the guy who bangs the girl on the school bus at the end of Porky's. This is after, of course, he goes to Jimmy's girlfriend's house. He says, oh, I got, you know, we'll just wait for her to get home. And he's there and he's like, oh, hey, what's going on? And the dog comes up and he's like, and he starts to jack off the dog. And everyone's well, like, dude, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, oh, no, it's not, it's nothing. He needs this. And then he, the, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. the dog ejaculates all over the place. And then he like dips his dick in their milk. <laughs> it's like they're gonna be drinking my dick. He's like, that's that's fucked up, man. He's like, and you never, and they're also gonna be eating my Jello. And then she comes home, and he's like, and he puts the Jello back. And he's like, what was he gonna do with the Jello? Yeah, what was, was like gonna the happen there? <laughs> Finish the thought. <laughs> I'll never know, but I can't think of what it was gonna be. So eventually, you know, he graduates, and then he does his thing, and then they. He gets, he, gets a, he gets a job for like a, for like a minute, and he has, yeah, he he has gets, it for less than a week. I mean, he goes to the high school. His father sends him to the high school where a lot of the rich kids go, but he's obviously not a rich kid, and he's not going to college. And a lot of the other um, a lot of the other people there are going to go to college, and he's annoyed at them. And then he graduates, and he really realizes, like, oh, I'm going to do nothing with my life. This sucks. So he goes out, and you, you know puts in applications at all the like stores and he gets hired, gets a job and he shows up on the first day and he doesn't know how to work the punch card machine, you know, to punch in and people like yell at him, but he loses the job after a week because people just want to fight him. He ends up getting in a fight with some of the other people that have worked there for a while. uh, They were the the rich kids from his high school. He fights the kids he used to go to school with. Oh, and they're just okay. a bunch of rich cunts, and they're like, "Hey, stock boy, you're fucking ugly and you're poor." And he basically, there's like seven of them. He's like, "I'll see you in the fucking parking lot." <laughs> and he goes there, and the whole book, he's constantly talking about how, like, brolic he is, <laughs> like how he's a how big boy. stocky, how, you know, how he's like, he's just like naturally stock, like built in and strong, kind of like a Neanderthal. He, he's not really. Uh, but he's not good at fighting. He's just stronger and thicker. And and less likely to wait for an honest time to punch someone in the face. <laughs> he's he's going to cold cock him. So he he goes and, he, and he's fighting the rich kid. And the rich kid, he's like, this kid is like really good looking. And he's really in shape. And the kid has a shirt off to show off his physique. And at one point in the fight, an old lady walks by and she's like, you should, you know, I forget what she says, but like, you should model for copper tone or something like that quaint and hokey. You know, like, you're looking, you're very, very fit. You look like Charles Atlas. <laughs> and then he's like, thank you, ma'am. And, and we're, meanwhile, uh, Henry looks like a fucking golem. <laughs> he's <just> like <laughs> covered in deflated warts and he's kind of like, he's not fat. He's just like thick. And he's uh, a meaty boy. doesn't comb his hair and doesn't wash well. And he's just gross. Which is but the look that Bukowski would have for most of his life. Until the Undertaker has got to him, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he beats the shit out of that rich kid. Yes. And it's, he also gets and, the shit beat um, out of him, too. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a kind of like... It seems like in all the fight scenes, he has to get his ass kicked a certain amount before he's able to fight back. Maybe there's a metaphor there. I don't know. Hmm. But he... Uh, he, he has to like kind of be on the on the ropes. Like, uh, he has to be like an underdog always. Well, he talks about that when he's imagining as a child. Like 
he was imagine him being the best at football and his team would be down and then he'd get, he'd come back and then he'd get injured and then in the last two minutes he'd come back from his injury because he was so angry and he'd win at the last minute because it was always more dramatic. Yeah. Um, so, so in this particular fight, he's fighting, he's getting his ass kicked, he kicks it, kicks, starts fighting back, hurting the rich kid and then he sees there's like a shift in the rich kid's eyes when he realizes, oh, fuck, the poor kid could fight too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't just fuck on him forever. And then one of the goons punches uh, Chinaski in the head. And he's like, you wait your turn. I'll fight every one of you motherfuckers <laughs> one at a time, which is like the craziest thing you could say. But, but we'll actually scare the shit out of a bunch of pussies that are like, you know, sidemen. Uh, and then eventually beats the shit out of that rich kid. And then they're all like, do you want us to go kill him? And he's like, the rich kid's like, just take me home, man. <laughs> Country roads. Um, I know another. But he know, loses his job. Oh, yeah. He goes back in, and like another guy's like, hey, the word's out that you're the Sonny Liston. And that Sonny Liston wasn't even around yet. I don't know. Whatever boxer they says they say. And uh, they fire him for this. Though we skipped the part. Like, this job was a nightmare. <laughs> like, the, the, uh, the el- like, he's a stock boy. And, the, and he's working for what is clearly Sears Roebuck. But they call yeah, it like something else. Mirrors Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is what it's called in the book. Um, and he he has to like hide in the basement. And and this seems like a terrible, terrible system they had. A order will come down through some sort of like phone system, intercom system they have, to some old fucking dick guy who will then yell at a stock boy, you know, Chinaski, lingerie department, go find these items and bring them to them. And then he has to wait for the elevator. But the elevator operator is a one-eyed albino guy who always has to take a dump. <laughs> and he, like, every time he's like, where are you going, laundry? Okay, first I got to take a shit. And then he goes and takes a luxurious shit. And then they go up and he's like, I feel 30 pounds lighter is what he said. And then shit. they go there and Chinaski gets chewed out. Like, why did you take so long? It's like, I, it wasn't my fault that fucking... The elevator guy was luxuriating, and and and, and, he, and then the I feel thirty pounds heavier. So it's just a nightmare to work there. Everyone's mean. The stock people are treated like the scum of the earth by the sales crew. It's just uh, it's just a nightmare, especially for him. Like he's not able to just like swallow his pride and deal with this, which is probably true for his whole life, <laughs> and he just <laughs> suffers through all this. For like, I don't think he makes it a week. No, I think it's like four days, and yeah. he gets fired. Yep. And then he does end up going to college, or more like he gets he gets kicked out of the house. No, he first he's going to college. He goes to college. Well, because he gets fired from the job, right? And the dad is like, "All right, you're a disgrace. Go find another job." And there's a kind of period where he goes looking for more work, and he's unable to find it because it's the fucking depression. And he's totally useless. Like he, at, later on, he lists himself for like for hire at the college directory under the category of unskilled labor. <laughs> and he's like, "Will do any job, uh, honest or otherwise." <laughs> like he's just, he just doesn't care. He hates everything. But his his parents are like, All right, "If you're not going to go to work, you need to go back to school." So they pay for him to go to the local college. Along the while, while he's in high school, you find out that he's actually, you know, he's a shit student and he doesn't care about anything, but he's interested in learning uh, literature. He reads at the library constantly. And this reminded me a lot of um, 
Ray Bradbury, how Ray Bradbury always talked about, you know, like he, he, he learned, he did all his learning of how to write and how, by just going to the library and reading. And that seems to be what Bukowski did too, since this is a memoir. So he's at the library all the time just reading, and he mentions a lot of different authors like D.H. Lawrence and uh, is the one I can't remember right now, but there's several others. Hemingway. Yeah, so he's reading all like the dude authors of the time. Oh, and he fucking hates Thomas Wolfe. <laughs> Not the same Tom Wolfe who wrote The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, but a different Tom Wolfe. He shits all over them, but he's, he's actually, people recognize in him that he's actually really smart. He's intelligent. He's just a fucking asshole who doesn't like anything. He's a misanthrope. He's a contrarian. But you could say that he's he's pretty smart. He's bright. Maybe maybe even brighter than Starlight. <laughs> That's pretty. This bright. is a beer I needed to get rid of. And this is <laughs> called <laughs> this is called brighter than Starlight. It's a double IPA from Treehouse. It's eight point three percent alcohol, and it's brewed with Citroen, Nelson, and Galaxy. It's brighter than Starlight, and it is not just a straight juice bomb, is what they say on the label. That's delicious. That is a delicious, delicious IPA. This might be my last Treehouse IPA from my Treehouse trip. Why did you have to get rid of it? Because IPAs don't last that long. Oh, yeah. I forget how long we've been doing this since you went to Treehouse. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but I don't know. Dude, it was October. It was a long time ago. This this was canned in September. This is kind of old. Goddamn, okay. It's still great. And I did have it when it was fresh, and it was a little more sharp, the hop flavors. Mm. This is this has held up surprisingly well. Uh, as I said, for many other Treehouse beers, they're great. They're really, really great. And should you go wait online for two hours to buy them? No. <laughs> Unless you have absolutely nothing better to do. There's probably really good beer you can get somewhere else. But if you have the chance to get it, Treehouse is excellent. But he turns out to be really smart, and people occasionally recognize it. And every single time, he basically tells them to go fuck themselves, and he doesn't live up to whatever they want him to do. When he was assigned to go see Herbert Hoover speak, President Herbert Hoover speak, and he didn't go, but then he he was supposed to write an essay about what he found. It's like the best essay, and the teacher reads it out loud to the class, and like, this is a good essay. In the end, the teacher's like, you didn't go, did you? He's like... Uh, nope. And that's what he's, and then the line he says after that is, I guess that's what people wanted. Beautiful lies. Not the truth, but beautiful lies. Like, oh, hmm. it's not wrong. Yeah. There's a lot of like, I highlight, I did a lot of highlighting in this book, not just for our discussion, but just for myself. Like, that's a funny line. Like, that's not just the duty ones. No, no. Like, (laughs) I remember that line, Nate, I didn't highlight, but. I mean, one line, I forget who he's talking about here. Oh, he's talking about his grandmother. And she had, she had, she had gotten so old that it was almost senseless for her to die. <laughs> he has <laughs> some great lines in this book. Well, he's, he's uh, primarily known as a poet. He wrote a bunch of these novels as like memoir things, but he's one of like the biggest contemporary poets, or I guess contemporary, I don't know what that means anymore, but... For, you know, the modern America, not like classical stuff, but he's one of the biggest ones there is. I don't know fucking any of his poems, but. No, I got some. I actually, after reading this, I was like, I fucking love this book so much. I'm going to read more of his shit. And it's a lot of poems that I'll be able to find easily. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll start reading some poems by this guy that are probably about cunt. Oh, yeah, they are. I'm sure they're all about cunt. And and drinking. Drinking. He's known for not, you know, refined crafted 
work. He's known for being like, if anyone could write, they would write like this, but he's better at that. And it's... I mean, what he's known as is a dirty old man. He's, yeah. That's like his... Mainly that's a dirty his, old That man. was his, his column, Notes of a Dirty Old Man, where he just wrote at the time when he was only, you know, 50 or something, <laughs> writing this newspaper He probably columns. looked way older. Dude, he had to oh, look yeah, like Methuselah's thing. balls. He was Have you seen a picture just, of him? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just, he looked like I, that I, since I, he was I've 12. I... <laughs> occasionally on my YouTube stream, like thing, it'll be like, here's a clip. And like Charles Bukowski talks about getting drunk with this person. I'm like, I'll watch that. And he's just like, yeah, we used to get fucking fucked up in that place. And he crawled out that window right over there. Cause he didn't want to pay his bill. And that's the video. I'm like, wow, that guy's a fucking, he's a pip. <laughs> he's just, he's just, a, a de- he's just a degenerate. He's a total shithead. I had to look up this word yesterday. Because I'd seen it a million times. I didn't know what it meant. But you know when... Yesterday means the day before today. Ooh, (laughs) dad joke on the board. What? That was a great dad joke. It was pretty good, Very well done. You said, I had to look up this word, and then you paused for a second and said, yesterday. And I was like, well, I can tell you what that means. (laughs) (laughs) It's the equivalent of the... uh, can you help? Can you put my shoes on, Dad? No, they won't fit me, son. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Nate just did to you. (laughs) Got dadded. Well, I had to look up this word. The word that the children use is based. Like, people always talk about someone who is based. And I never knew what it meant. I was just like, I guess that just means that they're good at something. But it turns out what it means is they are unabashedly themselves. They do not give a shit. They will be openly themselves, no matter what. And I was like, wow, that's, that's Bukowski. He doesn't give a fuck. He's a dirty old schlub douchebag guy who hates everything except booze and whoring. Well, he, you know, he does no whoring in this book. As Not far in this as I book. was able to, as far as able, I was able to follow. He, he, the book ends. He's still a virgin. Oh yeah, he, he does not ever get any puss. I think the book ends when he's like twenty, twenty-ish, probably. Uh, nineteen, I guess. Nineteen. Yeah, that nineteen. Uh, it would be 1941, December 1941. Oh, I'm so thinking 39, right? Yeah, yeah, 41, you're right. 21, you're right. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking about the Germans. I once read this poem of his, which mentions a bunch of things, which are also in the book. My mother, poor fish, poor goldfish, poor nothing fish, wanting to be happy, being beaten two or three times a week, and telling me to be happy. Henry, smile. Why don't you smile? He also says, but my father... Beat, uh, beat her two to three times a week while raging through his six foot two frame because he couldn't defeat what was attacking him. Oh, that's weird. What's wrong with being six two? <laughs> he just he, he mentioned that in the book multiple times. Like he my does. father was tall and angry. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually I, I want to read some of his poetry just because like, one of like the lingering uh, book literary uh, regrets I have or goals I guess is better way to say it. Is to not really understand poetry and not read any poetry because most poetry is fucking trash. I have read that his poetry is very good for people who aren't good at poetry. I, I, I've tried to read poetry, and like if you read old poetry, like you know, hundreds of years old, like Shakespeare, it's like, oh, this is very rhymy and metrical and fucking old and not really. It just, it just, it just feels very dead, you know, like you're not like, oh, look at this exciting thing. It's like, oh. 
But then if you read modern poetry, it is just pretentious fucking garbage. Or at least that's how I feel when I read it. But it's like, I went down to, new line, the bus stop. No, no, no. And you're just thinking was... of the poetry you see on the, on the fucking subway. And that poetry oh, no, is it's terrible. The subway the poems worst. are not all about bus stops, man. <laughs> Dude, but some of them are. <laughs> some of them are. <laughs> those those poems really are terrible. the worst poems. I, I don't like poetry. It's not my thing. But even I know, like, these poems are the worst. There's got to be some public domain poems that are better than this. Because these are trash. Just read some, like, Robert Frost. Robert Frost is great. That's like the the that's like the angle where I like poetry. But I've I I read a book of poetry in 2019 now that took me like seven months. It was like 90 pages. <laughs> I just like every I did read one poem, like, oh, this is terrible. Oh, fuck <laughs> you. Fuck you, words, fuck you, syllables. All of you go f- straight to hell. Cause it he just was obnoxious. Like Nothing rhymed. Fine. It doesn't have to rhyme. I know that's like a simpleton's idea of p- poetry. But it's just like, you'd read it and you're like, huh, that was a, th- what What was that? I'm not going to read it 10 more times and spend the day thinking about it. Fuck that. If you want to say something, write a goddamn story or an essay. Don't just put a bunch of gibberish and say, hey, you go figure it out. Like it's a choose your own adventure novel. I don't want to... Oh, it's the worst. So I'm going to read this guy's poems because I bet they're all about pussy. Yeah. If you, so, if you looked at this poem. guy and read his books, you'd be like, this guy's definitely a fucking poet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know it. He looks like someone set an old bag of hair on fire. In a porta potty. Yeah. <laughs> That's the smell. Well, his thing was, he's like an underground dirt bag. Well, he was it's basically, basically Oscar he the was Grouch a full, got a fucking writing yes. contract. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. He was a full time drunk. For a decade, like he he said he he got some book published, got some story published in like 1946, and then he didn't do anything for almost ten years because he was just shit faced, wandering the country doing odd jobs and ending up in jail randomly. I saw this story. Uh, he frequently recalled one Philadelphia bar in particular where he would sit from 5 a.m. to 2 a.m. earning free drinks by allowing the bartender to beat him up for the entertainment of the crowd. That's not how you pay for your drinks? That's he doesn't have to pay. <laughs> <laughs> He's an American icon. <laughs> he is. Honestly, he is. He's part of like the outsider thing. Yeah. You know, cuz he did when did he really become popular? It had to be like it had to be the 60s. Late 50s, early 60s. But this book came out in 83. This was not his first book. It was the first of his series of books which are like chronologically basically his life. But this one didn't come out into the 80s, but it was the his childhood. This first book was Post Office, which was about his time working in the post office. If you could, you know, get through that. Uh, it was actually, that was actually in, huh? a very good book also. that must have been. Oh, yeah. Did it get the stamp of approval? <laughs> but, I mean, I think he was mainly known for poetry for the most part, for a lot of it. Especially back in, like, the early days, like the beat shit. Did he mail it in? He did. <laughs> it's a very postmodern Postscript modern? <laughs> yes. I I don't know. No, we should finish this book. But uh, he goes to college. He gets into, you know, he spends a little time as a Nazi, but just because it pisses Dude, everybody it's, off. It's just to be a dick. Yeah. yeah he, he's, he doesn't actually believe in the cause, though he is German, but he doesn't actually believe in being a Nazi. But he's just kind of like, everybody here is a Marxist. Fuck them. It's like everybody here is a leftist. Some things haven't changed in college. And I hate my teachers, so I'm just going to like, I'm just going to be a Nazi. And then he 
actually goes and hang out, hangs out with the Nazis for a night. I don't have any trouble with like black people and Jewish people. Like everyone, everyone shitty I know has been a white Gentile, but whatever. Yeah, he's like, I hate rich people. Is really what his thing comes down. to. He's like, rich white guys suck. I have nothing wrong with us, but I want to be a. Tro-. He's like, he like invents being a troll. There just wasn't eight chan yet. Like for him to or four chan yeah. for him to 8chan go. Eight chan is like, for I'm just pedophiles. Eight chan oh, isn't that like where also like real Nazis go these days? Yes, four chan was too censoring, as in not censoring at all. We we'll talk another day about the like weird. Hobbit man who made that. We can cut all this, but we should talk about that another day. I've but, heard interviews uh, with him. It's interesting, interesting stuff. It's a fascinating story. <laughs> they call it under eight Chan for a reason. Oh, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Uh oh. Anyway. So, yeah, so he's just like, I'm going to troll them by saying vaguely, he sees like vaguely Nazi stuff, but he never says the word Nazi or Hitler. He's just like, they're corrupting the purity of our blood. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, Henry. <laughs> this is English class. <laughs> he just shuts out nonsense. <laughs> and he's like, no girls wanted to fuck me anyway. I didn't care. There's nothing to lose, really. Of, <laughs> just his virginity. That's he really doesn't what he's lose trying to that. Lose. But, uh, you know, he does that thing. And then he eventually breaks with them because he realizes like the Nazis are all assholes. Go back for a second to the Nazi thing. There was a good line there. That I think is really prescient of our current day. Mm. When he goes and he hangs out and he spends the night with the Nazis. Oh, at their house Because they're all like, oh, the, Henry, the hey, drum. we hear you're a Nazi. Let's go hang out. And like the Igor, the guy who's five feet tall and three feet wide <laughs> with no neck. Oh, the, like, his, his grandfather out. was in the white Russian army. Yeah, he just hung out with the dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. You but they 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 uh hang out and and they're they're and he says, Why did the master race movement draw nothing but mental and physical cripples? Like, <laughs> 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 wow. Yeah, it's it's the the fucking lame it's like you never get a dude who's or a woman even who's beautiful and fit and you know, healthy, who's like Yes, the master. It's always like fucking losers who are like, yeah, we want to hitch onto the coattails of the master race. I thought that was an amazingly uh, important line. <laughs> Though when he's on campus and has in, is known for saying these things that are vaguely Nazi, like a guy, one of the you know class class president comes up to him and says, "Listen, I oh, disagree yeah. entirely with what you're saying, but I'm just want to let you know." That if you guys win, I can I can get into that. He's <laughs> <laughs> something like, but if you win, I can go along with it. This is before this is in, we ended the war 1940 too. Or thirty nine. This is before Pearl Harbor. And this is and this is the only class president that's ever been elected twice. <laughs> 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 no. Which you know, I don't know how much to read into these things. Like if this is just actual things that happened, how much they're embellished. But you get the sense reading through this that he is uh, ridiculously critical of class and people in power and people. He's, of he's critical of privilege. humanity in general. Yeah, but he does focus he does hate rich people. on. He hates people of means. Yeah, not even rich, just like people who aren't poor, because his his life was such shit. Yeah, he really resents anybody who had a better life. He really does. Absolutely, um, yeah. So 
you know, I don't know how much of this is true or not, or how much I don't want to read too deeply and get into like English class and be like, is this a statement on the political class in America? You know, but or like the the duplicity of politicians. But it it is just a great scene that you could apply any way you want. He had this one that I wrote down. This was one of the things. Like he 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 hated them certainly, but he also hated everyone else for different reasons. But uh. The problem was you had to keep choosing between one evil or another, and no matter what you chose, they sliced a little bit more off of you until there was nothing left. At the age of 25, most people were finished. A whole goddamn nation of assholes driving automobiles, eating, having babies, doing everything in the worst way possible, like voting for the presidential candidate who most, who most reminded them of themselves. themselves Everybody yeah. had to conform, find a mold to fit into. Doctor, lawyer, soldier, didn't matter what it was. Once in the mold, you had to push forward. It's like he just hates society the way society is because he never fit in because he was an asshole and because he was abused and because he was had because he had zits and so he he had retreated zits the size of pygmies yeah they were outrageously yeah. large pimples he had like what's that movie with uh, the redhead Eric Stoltz. Mask, yeah, the mask, with mask, Cher. yeah, mask. <laughs> Where the guy's head looks like a potato. <laughs> this is water. <laughs> like teaches the blind girl, and then her parents like, "No, don't talk to him." Yeah, that was a great. That was a terrible. Movie. It's like he had so many zits, his head was malformed, and you know he 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 didn't get along with people partly because he was such an asshole, but he was also an asshole because he didn't get along with people. And he after a while, you stopped trying. Well, I think a similar line that I, I thought was important that might complement yours, complement with an E, he said, when he's talking about uh, rich cunts, uh, he says, they were soft. They had never faced any fire. They were beautiful nothings. They made me sick. I hated them. They are part of the nightmare that always haunted me in one form or another. So, like, he really resents people who have had it easy. Yeah, definitely. And and that's a, when you when you frame your worldview that way, you could find a way to say any person's had it easy. Right? You could find a, compared well, you to had him. it easy because you're rich. You had it easy because you're good looking. You had it easy because you're smart. You had it easy whatever it is. So he, it's a, an, an easy way for him to hate every person. Yeah, and he he does. He hates every person almost. So is this him being like a like kind of a baby? Like oh, I'm a victim kind of thing. Like, feel you know you know what i mean like feel bad for me my life is so terrible i don't think he wants you to feel bad i think he doesn't give a shit i get the feeling he's saying that well i mean he is he's saying what he believes but he's not saying pity me or like why didn't i get that it just is everyone's full of shit humanity sucks everyone should go fuck themselves well he kind of is saying pity me like saying why didn't i get laid why am i not getting fucked by the girls why yeah i mean as a kid yeah Later in life, I don't know how he felt. I mean, kind of do. But when you're growing up, it's hard. I mean, and that's as people who didn't have deformities and whose parents didn't beat the shit out of them every day. That shit will break yeah. you. And he started being a full-blown alcoholic at like age 13. I like when he gets his apartment when he's like 19 and he's and it's in like... Little Manila. Yes. <laughs> All the Filipino guys carry chains, and the chain is the length of their penis. Oh, we skipped one of my favorite parts. When he's in the showers in, the, in high school, and they're like, I find out this guy 
Peter Mangalore had a, ten inch soft had a penis. cock 10 inches long soft. And then we found out I had the biggest balls of anybody. Hey, look at that guy's balls, will you? Holy shit. Not much cock, but look at those balls. <laughs> well, maybe that's his thing for himself, you know? He's like, got big, but he does have big balls. In the figurative sense. He ain't a dick, but he's got he's got some set of balls. Yeah. But there's a there's a scene where like Peter Mangalore like tries to fuck a girl or something. Oh right? yeah, where or Peter takes he takes the, the girl with the, the giant boobs who does like vaudeville shows in a class and tries to fuck her in the backseat of a car in in like the backyard. She does it to distract the teacher. It, and it's <laughs> yeah, it's, she's like, it's the back of a car it's in homework? the auto shop yes. in the school. And I think they're still in middle school, actually. I think yeah. they're in eighth <laughs> grade. Right. Yeah, they might be. But he he and he and another weird kid are the lookouts. But as soon as the teacher starts coming, they're like, fuck it out of here and they bolt and she and <laughs> giant dick guy get expelled. Yeah, they never see him again. <laughs> a no, lot of times he's it. like, I never Got saw it. them again. Like the kid who had a fake arm and his little stub had tiny little fingers and fingernails on it and they get beat up so he uses the arm as a weapon with his uh, other arm. As a fucking club? <laughs> it's like, then they moved away. <laughs> the like, shit out of kids with it. Yeah, they just moved. One day they moved away and never saw... Uh, no, doesn't he... Uh, is that the kid he's a pen pal with for a little while? He did have, a, a, pen he did pal have a pen pal somebody. kid, yeah. And then his dad found out they were drawing like cannibal-themed comics and he said he could never talk to him again. <laughs> they weren't writing letters. <laughs> they weren't writing letters. They were writing comics to each other. And they would each just do the next part of the story and it just... Yeah, cannibals. <laughs> he's a weird kid. That was fucking funny. He's a weird fucking kid. Dude, all kids are weird. Yeah, but he was, he was good at being weird. He embraced it. Like this is he leaned this in. Is something I, could be I don't know if it was with. by choice, but he no. embraced it. It was not by choice. There are so many funny passages in this book. I mean, the way so let's just finish how it ends, uh, and then we can go over like our favorite scenes. I guess he's a drunk. He's, he's so his father kicks him out of the house, and so he gets a basically a room for himself, really cheap. So working in a bar, and he's drinking a ton, and still getting in fights, especially with that guy. Was it Baker? What was his Becker. name? Anyway. Becker. What, Becker. Okay, Becker, yeah. He was getting, getting in fights. And then they're like, and he really didn't feel, it was, it was really not good. And then Pearl Harbor happens. And Becker is like already in the military. He's already in the Marines. Yeah. And goes literally that day, they're at the bar. And they're like, turn on the radio. We've been attacked. And he's like, all military personnel report to, report to base. So it's... That his friend, who is, you know, he says is the best unpublished writer in America at the time, is like, oh, he's going off to war. And is like, are you, but, but, are you Henry, Hank, are you going to join? He's like, no. I'm not going to get my balls blown off for like this shitty country. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Do you know what happened to him in real life? In real life, he was either drafted or he tried to join and he was uh, discharged for mental reasons. He couldn't pass a psychological. They wouldn't let him in. Wow. No. <laughs> like, this guy's fucked up. We cannot have him in the army. <laughs> At the time when there was a fucking World War draft. Like, no, not this one. Jesus. I did not know that. Yeah. Fun guy. I know the, I know that the FBI had a file on him. Oh, they had a file <laughs> on everybody back then. Just an example of like the kind of funny passages that are in the book. When they graduate high school and they're all clear... Like, Henry and his friends are all the degenerates. 
and they're just talking to each other as the rich kids and the honor roll students or whatever get called up first, and then they're talking about what happens to them, and they're like, oh, he's going to be a farmhand, he's going to be a ditch digger, he's going to be a you know, bail bondsman, whatever like the sh- like whatever they thought were shitty jobs in 1938. Uh, I thought that was a really funny scene as the, you know, uh, uh, principal makes the, you know, the usual regalia-filled speech about graduation and go serving your country and bettering yourself. And then he's like, and that guy, it turned out he was embezzling and he <laughs> got convicted and he went to jail and fuck that guy. Like, there's just a lot of funny things that are probably not true, which is why this is a novel and not a memoir. Hmm. But it's just fucking funny to read. It is one of the funniest things I've ever I've ever experienced. I have to imagine that he didn't make most of these things up. They're almost too ridiculous. Or maybe there was some. He took a thing that happened and he pushed it over the top. You know, he he added enough to make it. You know, he massaged the story to make it funnier. He might have also just been too drunk to remember it accurately. I mean, we'll never know. Quite possible. <laughs> but uh, there's another, uh, there's just like lots of funny lines. And part of it is like, part of it that made it funny for me is it's really dirty and vulgar. And I like that kind of humor sometimes. But other times, but it's also the way it's written. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I... Sometimes I like it more, <laughs> so, but it's uh, that, uh, sometimes it's, and also um, the other times. Yeah, but the 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 way it's written, it's so like blunt and direct about these things. And you're like, oh fuck, I lost my train of thought now. Cocksuckers. It's Hold very plain there. spoken. Yeah, that's right. That's what it's I'm like trying to go for. Hemingway, I guess, yeah. if Hemingway was good to read. Yeah, like one line. And he's talking to Becker, and Becker also wants to be a writer. And Becker's like, "Oh, I'm going to get published in some shithead magazine and write a ma- an article, write a short story." And he reads he reads his stories, and he goes, "Becker was clearly better. Maybe I'd try painting." Yeah. <laughs> now that line by itself, it kind of sounds like something in that stupid Joe Biden Obama book. <laughs> like, you know, like it sounds like something Joe like Biden would have said in that book. But in this. Because like the tone of the book sets it up where you're like, you know, it's not really a joke. It's more just like a guy's like, I hate everything. And it's it works. It just somehow works. It's like if Eeyore um, was funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like a really and good way to put horn. it. If Eeyore had a really biting sense of humor. Yeah. And was more of a jackass. Just into biting carrots. <laughs> uh, there's just so many. And this, you know, this is a line that we should just have put on if we ever sell merch <laughs> drink was the only thing that kept a man from feeling forever stunned and useless <laughs> there's just yeah. a lot of really great lines in the book about drinking and whoring and about shitting there was nothing really shitting. as glorious as a good beer shit which i don't think many people agree with because most people know that's a very bad are thing. wrong <laughs> they have not seen the light <laughs> I also like the weird Filipino stereotypes. Not that I have anything against the Filipino, Filipino, ugh, fuck, Filipino people, but the idea that they're all the same size <laughs> and seven of them chip in to buy a suit. They wear it one day a week. They wear, <laughs> is that a thing? Uh, I, I, I know that's not a thing. <laughs> you didn't 
didn't make that up. That's it's that super must weird. have been just like an insulting stereotype. Back in, I mean, he wrote this in the eighties, though, so I don't fucking know. That's so <laughs> weird. I mean, maybe it was a thing people said in the thirties, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very strange thing to say. <laughs> oh man, another good line when he, when they did that football game with King Kong, the big big Diesel guy. Yeah. He looks like a shit snip, a shit sniffer. He also looked like a fetus eater. <laughs> like the descriptions are really simple and stupid. Like they're not, they're not always, they're not very clever. But it, it just somehow really no, works yeah. for me. He's a very basic writer, which is possibly where the title of the book comes from, at least according to Wikipedia. Because why is it titled Ham on Rye? Yeah, no it has idea. nothing to do with anything <laughs> in the book. There's a there's a theory that it has to do with it's a it's a play on words from Catcher in the Rye, who was you know another author no. who was sort yeah, of becoming age, slightly no. famous at the same time that he was, and then because this is sort of a silly version of a so just being a teenager again. story, it's Ham on Rye, <laughs> but then there are also three other theories of where it could have come from, so no one really knows. I was looking the whole book like where I was expecting Where's the ham. You know, like that episode of uh, uh, NYPD Blue where they're, like, they're going to say shit on this episode. And you're like, where is it? And it's at the last. You remember that? It was like in the 90s. No. NYPD Blue is this fucking I remember garbage the, I remember the show. time my, my mom show. watched it. But I, no, I my dad remember. watched it religiously. Jimmy Smith. But it was a show. Yeah, and, and uh, Dennis Franz. And uh, and it was like a, you know, a gritty cop show. Was it gritty? It was terrible. I remember that gritty. It was grittier than what you were used to in 1997. And... They had it. They had this hyped up episode where they were gonna say the word shit on TV because there's like no law against it in America. Yeah, it's just kind of everyone's like agreed to not do it. And people watched this episode and they're like, "Oh, let's, when are they gonna say shit on TV? Let's watch this. This is gonna be exciting." Like you just said it. You don't need to hear a fucking guy on TV say it. You just say it yourself. You know. But people were really excited to hear them say shit. And you go through the whole, the whole hour-long, commercial-ridden, shitty fucking garbage show. And the last line of the episode is the guy goes, hey, shit happens. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> Boom. And you're like, fuck off. I was kind of expecting that with this. Like, the, like and then I ate my ham on rye. Like, that's what I was expecting to happen the whole book. Don't forget like, to get gonna- the mayonnaise. When's the ham on exactly. rye coming in? <laughs> or like there's a scene when he feeds a dog his sandwich. I thought maybe it would be there. It's like, here's, have a little they ham did, on rye. They didn't say yeah. it's not a ham on rye. <laughs> no, he gave the dog, he gave him a peanut butter sandwich. Oh, and they gave him a bologna you sandwich. A, you could have a ham, ham that. and a really peanut weird butter sandwich. That's, just, that's horrific. <laughs> that you should be, people who eat that will be first against the wall and shot. That is horrendous. <laughs> Ham and peanut butter, gross. you know, it keeps the ham from like sliding around. <laughs> yeah, that's what ham is real. That's the biggest problem about ham. <laughs> Slippery. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. wayward hips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have no idea what the title is about. Um, but I also don't really care. I just really liked the book. It was really fun. I had a, a personal connection to this book that I, I, I felt I should mention was um, I, I turned 21 in Boston. But the bar right around like the block, the other side of the block from my school was called Bukowski's. And it was a 
Jimmy, that was called Bukakis, and that was a <laughs> no. You were that's really next door. drunk that that's night. <laughs> you go there after. But Bukowski's was a what in Boston they have other liquor licenses because of Puritans. They have a they literally have a cap on the number of bars that are allowed in the city. So Bukowski's did not have liquor. They had something called a tavern license, which meant they only served beer and wine. So Bukowski's was the first place I ever went that was like, here's this menu. It's just beer. It's like a hundred different kinds of beer. And that was the first place I ever went that was just like, there's a lot more beer than I ever knew existed. And there was a, you know, at the time it was what, 2008, 2008. Yeah. And like craft beer wasn't as much of a thing at all at that point. I mean, sure it was some somewhat of a thing. If you were seek, you had to seek. You really it out had a to go more. find it, and then it, it was not a thing in Boston. But this place had, you know, a whole section of brown ales and a whole section of stouts and a whole section of you know pilsners and shit like that. And you could also spin the wheel, which was just like a wheel of fortune wheel they had on the wall, and the waitress spun it. And whatever landed on, you had to drink. And sometimes you got good stuff, sometimes you got terrible stuff, but you had to do it. They also made excellent hot dogs. That's a separate issue. But I learned about beer there, and I learned how to drink a whole bunch of different weird beers and like try new stuff at Bukowski's. Little did you know how useful that skill would be. Yeah, and I didn't read any of his shit until later, but I did a lot of drinking between now and then. Just a just a mere dozen years later, yeah, here we are. And I still go there if I'm ever back in Boston because it's still an awesome place. They're still I I follow them on the gram. They're still going. Still got a thing. They have a they have a club where you know if you get a certain number of the beers on the menu, you get a mug for yourself, and they hang it above the bar for you, and you get to use it whenever you come in. I don't know what their beer selection is like these days. It's probably fucking insane. Yeah, I don't know how. Like, there's there I've been to bars. Similar to that, but it's they. How could they keep up? You know, they just kind of. I mean, they had an enormous selection back when there just weren't that many. So I'm sure they have. Also, how could they keep track of how many beers you had at this? You have to like tell them like I'm going to go for the 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 fucking club or the list or something, and they keep track. And you have to have a certain number of them in a certain range of time. I forget what it is, but it's a lot. Basically, you have to spend a certain amount of money. Yes. To get a cup. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like our Patreon. So they don't they don't have a <laughs> lot of like super expensive beers there. But they probably have a lot of beers that I don't want to drink. I guarantee our Patreon's a lot less expensive getting those getting our beer yes. class. And you learn more in the process. Yes, you do. Somewhat. Well, you don't have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be weird if you didn't. It'd be very strange, but we don't. So who should read this book? Anyone that likes funny memoirs. Yeah, because it is funny. I, it really wasn't an, a hilarious book to read. I I, I had no I had no, nothing I didn't expect anything because I never read any other other beat writers or this even just generation of writers and even they looped them lumped them with the beats or not. Mm. I I thought this was fantastic. <laughs> I really thought it was really really funny. So yeah, if you like funny things. If you like dirty humor and you've listened this far through our podcast, then you probably would like this. Yeah, if you like and us. If you think yeah. our jokes are halfway yeah. decent, then you'll like this book a lot more. And you'll be like, oh, these guys suck. <laughs> but it is definitely not politically correct and wasn't even in 1981 and certainly is not today. 
And and I, that's he that's by design. He yeah, didn't he, want he would, it to be. He would give negative shits about being politically correct. Yeah, yeah. Though I mean, there's not really like it's not like racist or anything besides his dad. It's um, it's it's it's, it's crass. Japanese people. Yeah, there's a little bit, but it's not like it's not like shock jock or like oh edgy. It's just he's just a dick, and he doesn't give a shit. But it's fun, and he's a weird guy and he's got a bunch of other books i've only read one other one of his but i imagine that they're all worth reading i imagine you can't read them all close to each other i bet they're very similar yeah you know, it's just him at different ages a lot of this i, I don't know if they're it's... all his you know pseudo memoir under this thing but the other one i read post office was his like life i don't i don't i don't know if they all are but they're all probably a similar vibe. But yeah, it, it, even if they're not exactly this and exactly about his life, they're gonna be similar in tone. Oh yeah, similar. He's only got one tone style, and I found this. I really enjoyed it, so uh, I'm cool with that. If you've never read a Bukowski, this is the best. It's it, this is the best one of his books, easily. I really enjoyed it, and I again, I had no idea what was gonna happen. I was. Really, really pleased to hear that it to to find that it wasn't just terrible people beat obnoxious poet <laughs> crap, which is what I expected because I I have no interest in reading Jack Kerouac or actually I I think on the road was actually very very good, but it is a different vibe. It's not as funny. I can't imagine anything as funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is a fucking funny book. Uh, I. I it's as Nate said. It's it's not a it's not PC for sure. It's not even for the faint of heart. There's just so much like talk about looking at cunts and taking shits and beating the crap out of people. Like there's this when they go. To, oh man, another really great scene when they go to the air show. That <laughs> yeah. like all the planes <laughs> crash. And they watch everyone, everyone die. Everyone, <laughs> everyone <laughs> died. <laughs> <laughs> but all they care about <laughs> is that they were able to look up the bleachers and see some woman's cunt. That's all they. And he's like, it was a good day. <laughs> so it I don't know what was more exciting: the air race, the parachute jump that failed, where a guy died, or the cunt. <laughs> <laughs> but like planes crashed yeah. and like exploded. These are planes in the early 1930s. Like several people died. At this air show. <laughs> and they, like, people died, and then they kept going, okay, and for our next event. It was like, they watched the guy jump out of another plane, his parachute didn't open, and he bounced off the ground, and they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, well, what's next? I thought uh, a good line to maybe sum up his attitude towards humans, <laughs> towards humanity, <laughs> towards the very end of the book, uh, when he is fighting with somebody in his shitty apartment he like walks in on the fat old people having sex oh and he's like oh excuse me and he <laughs> sleeps <laughs> he wanted them to turn their tv down and they didn't yeah. he's like pounds on the wall turn their tv down they don't and he breaks in his two old fat people having sex and he's like oh i'm sorry <laughs> pardon me you want to come over for a drink <laughs> party foul <laughs> so yeah, then he invites them over for a drink, and they're like, please just leave. <laughs> but he says, 
you know, after he leaves and he's like, he sits down and he pours himself another bottle of screw cap wine, which, man, screw cap wine in 1940 must have been abysmal. That must have, is vinegar. And he sits down and he's thinking about, you know, how shitty everything is. And he says, we were, we were all in it together, which sounds like what everybody said fucking during COVID, which is not what he means. Because uh, that was what <laughs> asshole said. But he said, we're all in it together. We're all in one big shit pot together. There is no escape. We're all going to be flushed away. <laughs> he just has this incredibly pessimistic view of life. Also, that when he was at the beach, he's like, there's thousands of fish out there eating each other. Endless mouths and assholes swallowing and shitting. The whole earth was nothing but mouths and assholes swallowing and shitting and fucking. <laughs> I also highlighted that line because I, I want to get it tattooed on me. Uh, it's across your neck. Just a, a, a three three laps around yeah. my neck. <laughs> Endless asshole shitting. It's just, it's just, he hates everything. Though there's also, uh, you know, some poignant stuff in there. I wrote this one down. It was, somebody was always controlling who got a chance and who didn't. He always just was like, oh, no one's ever going to pick me because I have zits and everyone hates me. So all they can do is hope to bang a lady. And he never does. Yeah. Though, speaking of bang a lady, I did find this other funny line about when the guy with the giant cock tries to bang the big-titted girl. <laughs> and the guy goes, uh, they're talking about the like the derelict car, and he's like, well, before they haul that son of a bitch away, that's going to be my bedroom. I'm going to take her in the back seat. And then Henry says, some guys really live. Uh, it's a great book i don't want to ruin any more of the lines because there's so many funny ones go read it it's a short read it's like 250 pages and it's and like a one sixth of it is the word cunt it really (laughs) is that many i feel like it wasn't that many (laughs) okay certain scenes it was certain scenes yes there's a lot of you know for a group of his friends were mostly a bunch of virgins. Like, it it doesn't come up. Well, do you remember being in high school, Jimmy? Like, virgins talk about pussy more than anybody. Certainly. <laughs> They've never seen yes. one, but they're always talking about it. He could have banged oh, the, the, mother, the, the mother, the, right? The sagged out MILF. And then when he graduates high school, she leans in. She's like, Yeah, she's like, You could, you could try it again. She's look and me up like, anytime. No, no, you old piece of shit. No thanks. <laughs> and then she just leaves. And laughs in his face. And then he spent the next 50 years just blacked out, banging weirdos. Whoring his way across America. I can't imagine he ever left L.A. I mean, he did, he did, I mean in, his, in his 10 years of blackout drunkenness, he went across America working and getting jailed. But he ended up back in L.A. eventually after that. I think he like almost died and then decided, I'm going to start writing again. And that's when it started again up for real but that was after 10 years of he went on a 10-year bender most people do that for like a week that doesn't sound good. <laughs> no it's not good and then he lived into his 70s and died of leukemia not even booze which is frankly an achievement remarkable he was a remarkable man an american hero he fucking was an american hero Well, you know what? I liked it so much. I'm going to read more Charles Bukowski in my future. I had never read anything before, 
it was really this was like the first really like for the like for podcast books that we've read there are great books we've read there are shitty books we read just to make fun of them this was probably the one i laughed at the most i can't think of anything we've read for the you know what about jingle that was intentionally fun intentionally funny <laughs> that we've left that i've read this was this was great and it also has like heartbreaking stuff like the early children's scenes with the bullies and how terrible they are to each other man it made me feel like such a piece of garbage when i was like a bully in second grade and fifth, fifth grade were already six feet tall <laughs> well yeah it's, it's their fault they were little but why don't you have a tall dad bitch but it was funny but there was actually stuff where like oh man that's terrible Oh man, that's a horrible way to go through life. I, I, I understood a little bit more about you know this guy. It wasn't just a funny book, but it was a very funny read and very entertaining. You have to imagine there's a shitload of people who live this way and are not as eloquent as expressing at expressing it as he was. Yeah, I, I think that's think so. what you say for for all of the. Uh, Poverty porn, you know? Well, okay. Angela's Ashes and uh, The Glass Castle were funny in their way in that, you know, it's like, oh, that is... I mean, Angela's yeah. Ashes is supposed to be funny, in, in you know, alternating between funny and heartbreaking. Uh, and this book did some of that, too. Whereas Shuggy Bane was just, like, relentlessly depressing and not funny. No. Yeah, that wasn't a fun read. No. no. I bought that for someone for Christmas. Chuggy <laughs> Bane. For for my uncle, who we were just he had just been talking about him going through his family tree and f- tracing his family back to Scotland. I was like, Well, I hope you didn't find any of these people. Here's a book. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a harrowing tale. Go listen to our episode on that. Bukowski, good man. No, not a good man. Terrible man. Terrible man. <laughs> uh piece of shit. Great writer? Great. I don't know. Fun writer. Fun writer. Not a great writer, but not in the way that they say when they say the great writers. He was not one of them, but he didn't need to be. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work if he was a better writer, maybe. If this was like sanitized, this would just be Or just like more flowery or like, you know, more full of like rich metaphors. It's like it's, it works because he's such a crass, shitty dick. He means it. He is a piece of shit. And he is okay with it. And so are we. Yeah. But tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And again, if you listen this long, you already heard this before. But hey, head on over to where you're listening and leave us a review. Just round up to five stars once for each time. Uh, Henry has a pimple the size of a Banana Republic nation. And that will help us out dramatically. Don't know why that metaphor came up today. Very specific. I thought you were going to say Banana Republic Outlet Store or something, but yeah. That (laughs) as well. You also give us a follow us on Patreon if you want to give us if you want to give us some money, but we're just going to spend it on booze. Let's be honest. And you can follow us on Goodreads, where it's a little nerdier, but makes us seem more legit than just wasting money on booze. And also, check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thank you.